0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1074. This week on Cars Yeah, we're promoting the 46th annual Forest Grove Concours that takes place Sunday, July 15th on the historic campus of the Pacific University in Oregon. You can learn more at forestgroveconcours.org.
1: Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence.
0: Richard, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready, Mark. All right. Richard Thompson is a creative director and photographer in Los Angeles, California, whose body of work includes automotive projects with marks, including BMW, Bentley, Chevrolet, Lexus, Mercedes-Benz, Pagani, Automobili, and a variety of personal projects focusing on classic cars. He attended the Savannah College of Art and Design, and it was at a racetrack down the road while he was shooting cars with the driver's first ass, if his images were for sale and a career was launched. Richard's deep technical knowledge for his passion for cars extends to the camera and these skills become complementary, uniting products, know-how with innate appreciation for detail in order to get the most out of every shot. You'll find his images in major automobile magazines, manufacturer advertisements, and in art publications around the world. So, Richard, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you and your photography. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for shooting automobiles?
1: Sure, Mark. I uh, probably led into loving cars by my parents who were both car lovers growing up. My mom was an autocross maniac. I remember, you know, at the age of four or five, being an autocross on the weekends in her uh, Audi Quattro.
0: Oh, cool. Cool mom.
1: She was a cool mom, is a cool mom, I should say. So I think that's probably where that started. You know, I kind of followed it through college. Although my major was nothing really closely related to cars, I shot a lot of cars. There's a racetrack, probably one of the oldest. I think it is the oldest track in the U.S. is Robling Road. It's a historic track in Savannah.
0: Oh, wow. When I was not, you know, it's not
1: a huge track or anything like that, but it's there and it's old. So a lot of people still drive it. I would go out there and shoot cars on the weekends, you know, track events and this and that.
0: Very cool. Then Very cool.
1: College, I uh, moved back to New Orleans, where I'm from. I didn't have any super strong leads in New York or L.A. I got involved in the film business, which was at the time a massive tax incentive enterprise in Louisiana in 2005, 2006. Mm. I spent about five years working on film sets, various positions, kind of worked my way up from PA to a camera operator at one point and a visual effects photographer on features. That is sort of, I think, where I gained a lot of respect for slash owned the technical side of my abilities. And then eventually moved to LA and focused on cars again. And here we are.
0: Here we are. Absolutely. I like the word focused on cars. Nicely done. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And I always say it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So Richard, take the wheel. I don't know if I have just one mantra. That's okay. The more, the better.
1: I think they're usually about consistency for me, which is my greatest lesson. Uh, you know, one foot in front of the next. Yes, especially for my generation. I'm about 35 years old. I kind of represent the oldest millennials. I think there's a lot of lessons about patience and consistency as we get older and pursue a real professional identity. There's a there's a, a quote by Calvin Coolidge, who's actually one of my least favorite presidents, but. <laughs> made some good quotes. It's, it's a famous quote. You might know it. It goes that nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than an unsuccessful man with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. <laughs> persistence and determination alone are the only thing that matters and have always solved every problem for the human race. But whenever I'm at a at a point where I just find a tangent to be more acceptable or want to turn away from my practice, I just kind of think about this and think, well, just got to keep putting one foot in front of the next.
0: Yes, absolutely. Let me ask you, when you talk about persistence and patience, how has that proved to be a, a useful tool for you when it comes to photography?
1: Tough question. Um,
0: <laughs> Good.
1: You know, in believing in yourself and your vision and your goals we live in this world today where the amount of information we, we can absorb if we choose to do so is insane. It's un, unparalleled, the amount of just stuff we can absorb from you know, the ether, whether it's good or bad. And uh, to try to live as an artist in this situation really involves a lot of second-guessing unless you learn how to filter that and how to have a healthy balance. And, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question.
0: Well, it does, and one of the things that came to mind for me was I was involved in the creative industry for a long, long time, Uh, directed a lot of photo shoots, did a lot of shooting myself, but mostly directing photo shoots or art directing photo shoots, and sometimes it took so much patience, and then some of the people I was working with would get really impatient, they're like, can't we just do this? I'm like, no, it's not ready yet, it's not lit right yet, we've got to wait, and we did a shot once that was outdoors, that literally took from 3 in the afternoon till 10 o'clock at night. It was a multiple exposure shot of some cars and the interior of a building and the exterior and set up the camera and waited, shot, waited, shot, waited, shot. And we just sat there for the longest time. And the photographer I was working with, David Bell, local guy up here, great guy, very patient guy, but one of the other guys I was working with, associates, you could tell he was just getting so impatient. Like, you know, he just couldn't stand it. And I said, you know, sometimes... Patience is a virtue. You've got to sit and wait for the right moment. Otherwise, forever, that image will be wrong. And you wish you'd waited just a little bit longer to get it right. So that's at least my experience with how you've perceived that patience and persistence with me. Very nice. Well, let's talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were indeed a car guy?
1: I don't know if there really is, Mark. I do remember... At first, because I like anything you're kind of forced into by your parents, you're not really going to enjoy that. And there are many things as a kid that I was just made to do after school, thing I didn't want to be doing. That you know, I wanted to be, I don't know what, playing the computer, working on my artwork, or whatever. And uh, I was sent to a racing school. You know, I went to Skip Barber from it from a age really before I could drive. Fine, um, I know, right? Like, really, a pretty amazing thing to have parents who are that savvy, <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to hang out with my friends after school on the weekend or whatever. So it wasn't always a pleasant thing for me. I remember when the, when the Boxster, when the Porsche Boxster first came out, which, you know, was sort of the car that turned around Porsche's business plan. Mm-hmm. My folks got one and I drove that a couple times. I remember thinking that was all right. It was fun. It was nothing, of course, like the formula cars, these, you know, cheap banger formula Fords. Or now it's formula Mazda with, with barber, yeah. but uh, cheap formula cars are just so much fun.
0: Oh yeah,
1: Um, and for me as a visual learner, I think that was probably a big turning point because I could directly see all the expansion, uh, the suspension members are exposed, and so I could really see what was happening with the car. So something previously was just sort of like this calculation in my head that was more like magic that you know I was just driving based on response for the first time I was really able to drive a car and see mechanically what was happening to it mm-hmm. and that was like a big connector for me in terms of enjoying sports cars or understanding what to you know what to get out of them i think that the moment that really made me love cars the way i do was with my driving friends in louisiana where i'm from you know where i'm from there's not a lot of you know in california there's a lot of people just per capita who can afford to buy a nice sports car Porsche turbo or a base model Ferrari. I mean, you seem driving all over a place like Los Angeles, but in new Orleans, nobody has those cars. Everyone's driving a Z 71 Tahoe. The roads are full of potholes. If you drive such a car, it would get keyed or rocks thrown at it. People don't, you know, take, always take kindly to that kind of a thing. And so there's just a few guys where I'm from who who have like a substantial stash of cars. There's mm-hmm. like one of those guys when I was younger, growing up there owned the V330TRLM uh, serial number 0808, which was the Phil Hill car. the Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was the last, literally the last front-engined Ferrari V12 to ever <laughs> win. He just drove that thing around, man. It was crazy. I, have, I had no idea how good I had it. But he would take me for rides on the weekend. And the first time I ever rode in that car, you know, with this little plastic windshield that didn't even cover my head. I'm taking
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: it. It's a right-hand drive car. So... So and and
0: I this guy Jim
1: uh, Spiro, who owned the car at the time, is sort of a prominent car collector. In oh America. yeah,
0: I know of that name. Yes. So Jim, Jim was
1: a is a crazy New Orleans guy. He used to drive an F fifty GT to work. Oh, you <laughs> would drive the three thirty to work on you know on dealer tags. It was crazy. Yeah, uh, I'll never forget the first time I rode in that car with him. We were drag racing a Testarossa and a three hundred and sixty, which was the current V eight Ferrari at the time on the highway on the I ten in New Orleans. Oh my gosh. And uh, around 80 miles an hour, he leaned over and kind of said, all right, now the windshield's about to start bending down. You got to hold it up for me. (laughs) So then the windshield starts to collapse under the pressure of the wind. And I mean, I was wearing sandals, which melted to the floor because the firewall was kind of...
0: So hot. Yeah.
1: That really, for me, was the experience. My vision kind of tinted yellow. It was like a time machine. I felt like I was in the 50s or 60s or something. And uh, that really did it for me. I wanted to just be in old race cars or at least around those kind of cars that give you a lot of mechanical feedback and pee fluid all the time and make a weird smell and you gotta pour leaded fuel additive in.
0: <laughs> Thanks for taking us on a fun ride there. That was really cool. Well let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down, talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you've faced along the way and more importantly the lesson you learned from it. So take us down a road, would you?
1: How about my current one in LA, which, you know, I've been here about five or six years trying to really focus on car photography. Mm -hmm. And in that time, I think I'm finally past like what I'll call my first stage. Everyone goes through kind of the sine wave of life, always repeating. We've got our growth periods and our plateaus and so on. It's easy to find yourself, at least in a creative business, I'm sure in every business, but certainly in creative businesses in like sort of a period of personal disillusionment with where you are, regardless of what your level of success is, Mm -hmm. as I found when I came here. And certainly for the last couple of years, I I like kind of had like a weird feeling like what's going on? You know, I, I outwardly was having a great time doing very well, working as a creative director for my favorite car company, working with clients that I've had for years, doing great work, but internally just feeling a little weird about the whole thing. And it finally came to me that it's just where we're at with the Internet. We already just kind of visited it. A little bit on it about this persistence piece right looking around on the internet and seeing so much stuff but also so many of the same things and um, realizing that that many of the formats we work in today like Instagram and Facebook have become like clear channel radio it's just all pop music all the time everything's compressed to the highest degree to be as loud as possible look at me yes uh-huh. for anyone who cares even to the smallest degree about the quality of what they're doing or what they're they're trying to say, this presents a very pressing, challenging concern. And for me, it meant basically if I ever opened a social media app, I was just seeing a great number of people regurgitating at a very low degree of quality the same thing that everyone else had been doing for five years. Moreover, concepts that I was fortunate enough to help develop for some of the first companies which engaged automotive social media, certainly Daimler, um, Mercedes-Benz is one of the biggest players and spenders in the social media game and um, involved with them five years ago and be involved with the creation of what now has become the social media road trip a thing that is done so many you know it's just done to death for me to just open any form of media and see it's just a washing machine you know I kind of had to step out of that for a moment I spent most of 2016 and 17 not really posting new content generating new stuff privately trying to not use that as a as a source of input at all, and try to really get back to why I came to LA. You know, did I come to LA to drive a fancy car or take a picture of that? Well, that's fun, and that leads to some nice stories and, and lifestyle experiences. But no, that's not why I came to LA. I came to LA to further my artistic abilities because it's one of the greatest commercial art markets in the world. Mm. So I've had to really. Think about what that means. That, you know, for me over the course of the past year or so has meant a serious audit of my artwork, my technical skill set, my client base, who I'm working with, and finding new directions to take those things in.
0: I can relate to this in many, many ways, having worked in the creative field way, way back. And I've seen the same thing that you're seeing from time to time. And also sometimes I kind of call it a dumbing down of people's expectations that it used to be that fine art in the way of photography or whatever it might be. But let's pick photography since you're a photographer that people don't expect as much anymore because they have been just annihilated with so many images of, like you say, the same, the mundane, and they're not really very good. And that has changed people's expectations so that they almost don't recognize superior when they see it on the outside but something touches them on the inside and they they stop for a minute and so i guess my question for you having gone through all this is how do you do that not only not so much just with yourself internal expectations but how do you become different like if you were going to try to to say mark here's how you can stand out a little bit better and be a little better with your photography what would be a a simple direct comment you would make to me that might help me see and perceive things differently?
1: After two years of thinking hard on that and trying to polish it down into one thing, if we had to go back into your mantra format, I would say, you got to go where other people can't follow you. Ah. It's the only thing we have left. You have to draw on your personal experience as a human being, husband, a father, a photographer, whatever, to improvise a perspective that's yours. And share that with with people creatively. For me, that means integrating other types of artwork that I've pursued in the past. Coming from a fine art background Mm -hmm. into my car photography. I'm working on ways I could maybe integrate my music into my car photography or whatever. However that works. But anything that is you in your space. To engage something like Instagram and visualize and only follow a certain kind of account. I mean, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. There's no clearer visual example than Instagram.
0: Nicely said. Thank you for that advice. I like that. I will give that some deep thought as I go to a car show this coming weekend and grab my camera and try to uh, look at things in my own way, in a different way. I appreciate that. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when you go, and you kind of touched on one just just now, but a time when you said, ah, that is the path I need to take at this time. Tell us about one of yours.
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that was one. But I don't know if my, if, if sort of the nature of the way I look at life allows me to have those. I kind of try to see things coming a little further down the line or not get to that point. I, I was, I, I was raised in New Orleans playing music. Certainly it's a very musical town, the birthplace of, you know, what you might call only original form of art from this country. I think that understanding the improvisational nature of life and how everything's always changing is a great way to just continuously be having those aha moments that, the nature of those moments lies in understanding sort of what pieces you have on the board, shifting your perspective or lensing on the situation of your life in a way that allows you to see the same factors in a new way. You know, I just read an article the other day about this liquid piston rotary engine. Have you heard of it?
0: No, I haven't.
1: Some guys have re-engineered a Wankel rotary engine. Um, but, you know, a, a famous automotive and, and aerospace engine design. Mm -hmm. Um, which has very notable flaws. It's never really made it to the mainstream because of these flaws. And what Liquid Piston has done is basically just invert the motor design. So the engine block is basically the shape that the rotor used to be, and the rotor is the shape that the engine block used to be. Okay. And in doing this, it has radically, I mean by four to 10 times depending on, on what they're doing, increased the fuel economy, and reduce the oil burning issues that sort of plague the Wankel rotary system. But talk about an aha moment. I mean, this guy just looked at the pieces he had and thought, well, shit, if I just make A into B and B into A and bang, there it was. So, But but all of this stuff is just taking the old and spinning it into something new, improvising it, evolving it, and just kind of dancing around what the idea is. So anytime I'm in my, li- in my life at a moment where an aha moment needs to occur, that's all I do. I just start trying to you know, look at the pool table from the other side.
0: Very nicely said. Let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car. Is there a car in your life that was the first one that was just really stood out, something maybe you wanted or an experience you had in that vehicle?
1: I'm going to tell you a shocking fact, Mark, that very few people know. Uh
0: Uh-oh, here we go, a scoop.
1: I have only owned one sports car in my entire life.
0: Whoa, okay. The secret's out. And what was that?
1: It was a Nissan 350Z. The year it came out, this is like O two O three. I think it was an O three model car, but I got it in the fall of two thousand two. I modified the the hell out of it. Basically, only drove it on slicks so I could outrun everyone in their German and Italian sports cars. <laughs> and I think I fell into a trap, which ensnares many people who you know modify their daily car, uh, which is that it just became way too much, and I sold it.
0: So I guess I could be your first special. And is that a seller's remorse at all? You- Sorry you let it go?
1: I had a great time in that car, but you can't take anything with you. I sold it and bought a bunch of camera equipment, and I really haven't looked back. And, and and I should say, I don't feel the need to own a car because, you know, work typically affords about, you know, a few times a month. I'm just offered some seat time and something incredible. And uh, yeah, yeah. Got to be thankful for that. And oh, gosh. And get driving out when it's due.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about what has you excited and fired up with your business right now. What are some of the projects you're working on that uh, really kind of uh, ignited you and made things exciting for you in your world of photography?
1: Based on the flow of the earlier part of our conversation, you probably understand 2018 has been like kind of a turnaround year for me. So I've been uh, producing a lot of, you know, sort of injecting my personal development into my commercial work which can be weird to kind of just go to a big global client and be like, hey, here's my weird art. You know, do you want to buy this? <laughs> and uh, But it's going all right. Um, so it's one of the most challenging parts of developing art is, is developing an aesthetic into something commercially viable. A lot of artists struggle with that, and um, whether it's music or visual art or whatever, making your ideas into a way that is neat and clean and orderly and presentable in a way which might even sell a product mm-hmm. is a challenge. Especially thankful to Mercedes-Benz, who have been uh, pretty keen and supportive on what I've been doing. in My experimental guys have allowed me to do some work with their new EQ product range, including their concept car.
0: Cool. Um,
1: looking forward to see, uh, you know, release in the near future.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I've been also consulting on sort of like a, a new digital marketplace and advisory service for niche automotive brands which also is like branding and events-related services. So it's a little under the radar right now, but we're hoping to launch that later this year. So I'll look out for some tailored automotive events coming soon.
0: Very nice. Very cool. Can our listeners find some of these visuals that you've been sharing with us on your website? In terms of the new stuff I've been working on, yes.
1: I did a little work earlier this year with the Mercedes-Benz. Uh, it's the estate wagon that they make. So it's, you know, a station wagon, uh, yes. AMG. It's... A real wolf in sheep's
0: clothing. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, 650 pound-feet of torque in a station wagon. is something else.
0: Oh, gosh, yeah. In a car that weighs that, yeah. Power on tap, so. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I did
1: see lighting effects on this car out in the desert, and I've been, been, you know, kind of creating my own reality using software to replace the backgrounds of photos with surreal imagery or science fiction stuff. Are you familiar with the illustrator, Sid Mead?
0: Yes, he's been a guest on this show.
1: Oh, wow. What a guy. I mean, really, one of my personal like greatest inspirations as an artist. What a v- visual vocabulary that man has.
0: Um, oh, yeah, real futurist. I mean, just incredible, incredible work. And uh, yeah, those in the design world, of course, know Sid as well. And I was very honored to have him spend some time with me on this show. You can go back and find his show on the Karja website. I'm, very, I'm intrigued now. I'm going to keep following you and, and see what you're doing. You, it sounds like you're having some fun. Well, given your creativity, this next question will expose a little bit more about how you perceive yourself. If you were a car, Richard, what would you be and why?
1: I think I'd probably give you an answer that a lot of people would call bullshit on, so to speak. So I'll tell you the truth is I'm probably a Lotus Exige or something like that. Okay. I'm a, you know, I'm kind of a track maniac. But the way it's going, I'm slowly transforming into a Unimog. <laughs> I think that that's probably over the long course more my pace, so... Look look forward to some off-road adventures coming soon.
0: I love it. That's great. Nice way to answer that question. Very, very cool. All right, Richard. Well, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars. Yeah. Sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays, while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, And you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. Hey, this is Mark Green. Are you interested in selling online and building a sustainable business? Bonanza is a marketplace platform that empowers you to create your dream business. Getting started at Bonanza is easy. You can start fresh or import your items from other marketplaces like Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or Shopify. Auto parts and accessories are a high-performance category at Bonanza, and there's no risk involved in signing up. There are no listing fees or monthly fees. You pay only when you make the sale. Bonanza listens to seller feedback and uses it to improve tools and build new features. So there are tons of customization options for sellers, no matter what the size of your business. Be sure to sign up using the link bonanza.com slash cars. Yeah. And you'll receive a free consultation with Bonanza experts who make sure that you are on your way to generating sales. That's bonanza.com slash cars. Yeah. All right, Richard, we're back. And we're entering the last lap. This is something you know well. The white flag's out. Time to put your foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: I struggle with that one. I, I, I couldn't <laughs> think of anything in particular. But I do think that the persistence piece, again, is like the most important thing. This is a crazy business. It's a small business. you got to you know, treat people well. Yeah. Everything comes around. Be consistent in your, in your behavior and you'll never have a problem with success here.
0: Nah, well said. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? I
1: don't know how many my successes are, but I think constant, almost constant self-examination and just debugging yourself and always being aware of what you're doing is the most important thing. Nice.
0: Now about a resource. There are awesome resources these days for all of us. Almost too many resources, if you will. But is there one in particular you like that you could share? I love reading
1: a bunch of you know automotive websites and lifestyle articles. I really love what Petrolicious has been doing recently. You know their look and lifestyle feel. So I'd say yeah. a, most of your listeners probably already know about Petrolicious, but uh, absolutely. I think what Afshin's done there over the past I don't know, five six years is fantastic.
0: Yes, and he's another uh, past guest here on Cars Yeah that I was uh, fortunate to have as a guest. So those listeners that may have missed my talk with Afshin Banera, you can go back and find it on the Cars Yeah website. Now if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Tazio Nuvolari. Oh, there's a good one. Yeah. What a character. You know, you see pictures of him and you just imagine what what he would be like, but you just don't know, and it was a while ago. What is it about Tazio that intrigues you so much?
1: I mean, he was truly truly the greatest. If not him, then Caracciola or one of these guys who I, they were driving at speeds, you know, that we, we race at now on full mechanical cars with no helmets. That's just...
0: Yes, crazy stuff. Uh, in terms
1: of, I, I put him up there with like the great bullfighters or mountain climbers of the world, you know, just really a man who was in pure pursuit of whatever it was.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's why Hemingway kind of put those race car drivers and mountain climbers and bullfighters all on the same platform. You know that quote, do you? I do. Yes, <laughs> I do. You know, that is true sport. Fan of Hemingway. So very nice. Well, speaking of Hemingway and books, is there a book you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: I really think one of the greatest automotive books of all time is Driving Ambition. Um, it's kind of a pretentious choice to list because it's certainly expensive to buy a copy now. But uh, Driving Ambition is the book penned by Ron Dennis and Gordon Murray about the creation of the the McLaren F1 at the time it came out. And it's rare to find a book which contains that kind of frank technical assessment of everything. I mean, here you've got Gordon Murray, who's, you know, one of the greatest minds, living minds of the automotive world, really just laying it all out on the table saying what worked and what did not. Great stories about the inside of the car business are usually precious and private and hard to come by and you, you hear about them. Much later, you know, a decade later over dinner and a glass of wine. But that book is fantastic.
0: Great. Awesome. If you can just find a copy and then afford a copy. You can buy a used copy on Amazon for less than 200 bucks, I think. Not bad. Not bad. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Richard has shared on his Cars show notes page. Just go to com, type in Richard Thompson, and that page will pop up, including links to his website. All right, Richard, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question could be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to give you a chance to have another sports car, your second sports car in your life here, because I'm going to buy it. But there's a couple of rules. You can only have this one car. you got to drive it. Can't sell it to buy a bunch more camera equipment with. Sorry. That little trick's off the table. Rats. But I want you to enjoy it and, uh, more importantly, take it out on the road. No garage queens here. So what can I buy you today, Richard?
1: I think I would be tempted to say a car I've never driven because it's like my ultimate car, but I've never driven it. And so it could end up being a total piece of junk. I'm going to go with the car I have driven, which is the Porsche Carrera GT.
0: Ooh. Uh okay. Well, uh, Porsches, my listeners know, have a special place in my heart. My favorite mark, the Carrera GT, even more unique and precious, I guess you could say, maybe that's the wrong word for that car, but, uh, It's a bit of a handful, but what is it about the Porsche Carrera GT? I know the looks, I mean, as a photographer, the lines are just incredible on that vehicle, but what is it about that car that intrigues you so much?
1: It hits like three things for me, which are, um, which culminate in like the purity of experience for me, like purity of experience is what makes the car. I don't really care how fast it is or or this and that. I mean, let's be frank. How many cars can you really have pure experience in and even be going the speed limit? So, uh, The reasons I like this car, I'd say for starters, it's got a great story. It's got, you know, the provenance piece. It'll be a storied car for a long time, you know, and mechanically its basis was LMP racing and uh, Audi kind of shut down Porsche and said, you can't race against us. And so they they put it on the side and then eventually remade it into a street car. So really it's a race car for the road. Uh, Second, even though it's, and this is a really important piece to me, I think it's the only car like it, even though it really is the product of high technology. It's not overloaded with computers. It's one of the last great mechanically c- driven cars, which does not have some obscene system of traction control and all these programs. You just get in and drive. You know, there's a wheel and a stick and uh, four tires. All the best cars, when you're driving them fast, just reduce to that. And that car is one of them. And who can uh. deny it? It's a V10. Come on now. Yeah,
0: I know. I know. Of course, designed by the famous uh, Harm Lagay, who uh, just did a masterful job with that car. and. Yeah, it was one of those stunners when they came out. It's like, whoa, what are they doing here? Um, I've never had the pleasure of driving one or even riding in one. I would sure like to someday. They are quite beautiful. Do you have a color choice just so I get you the right car?
1: Oh, man. There was a book they distributed with the pre-orders for the car. It was basically full of all the testing photos of the car. One of the first pictures of that car that ever made me fall in love with it was this picture of it in yellow in the middle of the Sahara Desert. They were Mm. doing all, you know, they had all the seams of the car taped off in black tape, but it just looked like a wild animal on a dirt road.
0: Great. All right. I'll get to work on that. Speed yellow, I think Porsche may call that color. I might be off because of the generational move, but. uh I'll see what I can do for you, Richard, and drive it on down to L.A. That'd be a nice coastal drive down Highway 1. Well, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed learning more about you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars, audience. Is there a little piece of parting wisdom or guidance you might offer us before you rip off down the Coast Highway in that Porsche Carrera GT of yours?
1: Persistence. That's it. That's my lesson.
0: Simple, elegant, direct. Yes, persistent. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and follow along with what you're doing in photography and art?
1: RVT3. That's my initials for the many people who ask me, but you can pretty much find me anywhere there. It's a .com, a .net. It's my Instagram handle. So uh...
0: There you go. Yes, he is around and I encourage you to check out what Richard's up to. I'll make sure I put links to uh, all of his social media sites and website on his show notes page here at com. Just go there and type in Richard Thompson. Richard, thanks for spending some time with me today. This has been fun. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise and your uh, enlightened way of looking at life. This is very refreshing. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Enjoy the rest of your summer, Mark.
0: Thank you. You as well. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage